Hello and welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Our goal at Owl Pellets is to help agriculture teachers like you find research-based solutions to the problems you face every day in the middle and high school classroom and as you advise your FFA chapters. Here you will find practical tips for your agriculture classroom and interesting information to incorporate into your teaching. We invite the best agricultural education faculty and researchers from around the country to come and talk with us and share what they have learned. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, and me, Brian Myers from the University of Florida. For more information on Owl Pellets, please be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit our webpage at owlpelletsfrag.wordpress.com. Hello, Owl Pellets. This is Brian and Kate. We are here by the Owl Pellet, and with us today is Matt Carrer- Carrero. Did I get that right? Yes. He Carrero. even wrote it down phonetically and still almost screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was on. I was on my best behavior for like five seconds. There, did you see? Like five seconds. <laughs> Matt Guerrero is from Florida International University, so he is down South Florida, um, where it's nice and cool. I'm sure this time of year, just like it is here. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Matt, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself and what we're going to be talking about today. All right. Well, I'm currently a postdoc at FIU in biological education research, but I finished up my PhD from Purdue in 2017, and that had to do with FFA membership access, um, access to the three-circle model of agricultural education, of FFA, classroom instruction, and SAE for homeschool students, and not only for homeschool students, but also seeing how the policies and attitudes and everything that is out there in the landscape can apply to homeschool students and private school students as well. Uh, we're going to be talking today a little bit about my a follow-up piece to a policy piece that started this process, and this is going to be focused more on school-based FFA advisors and their attitudes and motivations to uh, provide FFA membership access for homeschool students. So tell me a little bit about that, because I remember when I was teaching, we had students, that was, a, it was kind of an annual point of mm, question, really, not necessarily contention, but how do you work with students that um, want to be involved in FFA but aren't in school? How do you keep them as involved as possible? How do you make sure you're not going against any rules? So can we start at the very baseline for like, let's say a beginning teacher or a teacher that maybe has never had to work with a homeschool student before? What are the rules? Sure, absolutely. Uh, the really relevant policies are, is there part-time public school enrollment allowed? That is the easiest pathway for a homeschool student to be eligible f- to participate in FFA because you have to be completing agricultural education courses. Uh, or is there a separate pathway for homeschool students to participate in FFA? And There's actually a separate pathway in two states currently, in uh, Alaska and North Carolina. But in all those other states, uh, what sort of of sparked my interest in this research was seeing uh, 
secondary and tertiary sources, so like newspaper articles or news articles about homeschool students that were participating in FFA and you know, going to state competitions or winning state competitions or winning national competitions and just sort of realizing, well, wait, this is an intracurricular program, so how are they accessing the necessary requirements in order to be participating in FFA? And that led me down the path of doing the policy analysis and, you know, just compiling all of the policies from each state. And boy, it's, it's a, I call it a, a checkerboard of uh, different policies across the nation. And then digging in deeper about what the, the leaders at the state and local level feel about those potential access pathways as well. But it all starts with policy. Is there a place, now, did, did you, write, you said you wrote something that, like if I'm a teacher and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know what the policies are for my state, where can I go to find that? Yes, that is currently in press. It's in the queue to be published in Journal of Ag Education. Uh, that right. piece will have a, uh, a table that the policies in each state. And that's actually, um, if you have, if you happen to have university uh, access, you can access that in my dissertation. I know that Aaron McKim at Michigan State had some questions about their state's policy, and he actually pulled up my dissertation uh, digitally and was able to access that information there. But I'm also, I'm also working on uh, developing a blog that will get this information, nice. make it more readily accessible for somebody to quick reference. That way they don't have to go through JAE or go into the dissertation database in order to access. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to show people too much about what we do as far as dissertations, or they might <laughs> stop listening. But we can put that um, table in our infographic. So, um, yeah. we'll probably actually, if people are listening to this, they will have likely have seen that yesterday during our infographic. So we'll be sure to put that table in there so that everybody can access it. Absolutely, I can send that your way. Thanks. So so Matt, I want to get down to the bottom line here. I'm, I'm really, really interested in this. What did ag teachers, what were their attitudes about working with homeschool students? What did you find? I found that there's actually a positive attitude towards uh, working with homeschool students and uh, developing those relationships that would be necessary with the homeschool parents. Uh, the only opportunity cost would be uh, Look, it looks like the support of administration. But we know from the previous study that I conducted of state leaders for FFA and ag education that there's actually positive attitudes with them as well for incorporating homeschool students. So overall, uh, we did see positive attitudes and positive motivations to provide that access. So maybe I'm the only one that has some nervousness there. Not that I wouldn't want to include, I mean, all students, I, there's value for all students. But um, I don't know enough about how the homeschool community works to know what that would be like, um, how you work with the parents to make sure the students are getting what they want. What, did you find any kind of angst or barriers or concerns that teachers had as far as their attitudes in working with homeschool students? We actually did find more positive attitudes about working with homeschoolers in the states where homeschooling has more regulations on it. Okay. Um, in Minnesota, 
homeschooling is more highly regulated. So there's annual testing that takes place and there's required, required coursework that has to be by the students. Uh, actually, they had the, the highest comparable uh, attitudes and motivations. When comparing it to a state like Indiana, where homeschooling is actually not regulated at all. Uh, there, that maybe the regulation sort of uh, tempers any apprehension they might have about academic rigor when it comes to homeschool students. But again, that's a case-by-case -case basis because each state has different homeschooling regulations and little tweaks on the regulations. And um, it's interesting that Illinois is also not really regulate, not really, uh, doesn't really regulate uh, homeschooling, but they had significantly higher attitudes and motivations than Indiana as well. Uh, if it's Indiana's much more, uh, much less open to working with this population, I don't know, but it still, it was still an average of being positive. I know in, in our state, and probably a lot of other states, the, the number of students that are being homeschooled continues to grow exponentially yeah. in some cases to do this. And so yeah. I think this is a very interesting line here. And as you can think about from this work and your other work that you've been doing, what are some things that ag teachers should be thinking about as a homeschool family approaches them about having their student engage in school-based ag ed? Or just what, what, should I, what should I as the ag teacher be thinking about? I think it's an opportunity to potentially rebuild a relationship that was broken because there's a lot of there's a lot of different motivations that go into uh, the family decision to homeschool children. Uh, one of those could be sort of a uh, broken relationship or a perception that the public education system can't meet all of the needs that I that I require for my child and working an ag teacher working with homeschool family could be an opportunity to rebuild that relationship and incorporate that child back into the public school system and potentially even uh, bring that person back into public education, not just on a part-time basis, but on a full-time basis too. And of course, we don't want people thinking that we have ulterior motives, but that is that is a good uh, reason to build those relationships to show, hey, you know, we do have a lot of ideological compatibility between what you want for your homeschool children and what we want for our ag students. What about the time required? Because you're talking a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, you know, building a relationship with one family for one student. And I've got these 30 in class that I already have a difficult time meeting all the needs of all my students and doing SAE visits with all of them. Do you have any tips for, I mean, it's a population that I want to reach, but like, are there enough hours in the day and are there things that teachers can do to reduce the amount of time and kind of maximize their impact with this population? One of the benefits that I think could come out of building these relationships is the involvement of the homeschool parents as well, because sort of by default, homeschool parents are wanting to be very engaged with their child's education. So yes. there's, if there's an FFA trip that needs chaperones, I think that homeschool parents would be, the first, would, would be willing to help be sort of that manpower that you need when you're running some of these larger chapters as well. So that's a benefit that can potentially come out of building these relationships. From this study or anything else, what 
you talked a lot about here about FFA. What about the other components of the of the complete ag ed program? The the classroom instruction piece or in an in, in SE? Is there any conversation about that with and how that engages with the homeschool student? Right. So there was some openness to alternative uh, methods of meeting these requirements. So there was there was an openness uh, to uh, state-approved ag curriculum being taught by the homeschool parents. Uh, if we look at the results, Illinois and Minnesota, actually the majority of local FFA advisors agreed that, you know, it would be okay if a parent taught a state-approved ag ed curriculum at home and that qualified the student for FFA. Uh, also the online option that uh, given certain policies, again, there's, there's, there's a certified ag teacher out of Montana that's offering online ag education courses. State whether or not there's reciprocal certification, whether or not that online course can count course that'll qualify your student for FFA membership, but let's open this to alternative and other than just the traditional form of, okay, you're in the classroom, you're in a school, physical, public school classroom for the Agate course, you're in a physical FFA group, and you have to be advised by the certified ag teacher for the SAE. Um, there was some openness to teacher partnering with the homeschool parents to supervise the SAE as well, sort of taking that direct supervision responsibility off of the ag teacher and putting it more on the homeschool parent. Well, it's interesting here. I mean, it's, I can think again, and here's where Kay can make the old jokes. I can remember when I was being prepared as an agriculture teacher, the only conversation was about school-based ag ed and FFA in the public school settings, you know, and private schools were happening, but they just kind of like, that didn't happen. And, you know, and I, and I was trained in Illinois. It was all about, it was just going to be in the public schools. And now we're seeing, especially here, the homeschool movement, but I lost, we, we chartered five, five or seven FFA, maybe more FFA chapters this past, like last month at our state FFA convention almost every single one of them was at a private school. And so we're really growing the numbers of school-based ag that is happening at, at private private schools. And they're, they're really buying into the entire model. And, you know, I'll be interested to see the numbers of the shifting. Are some of those homeschoolers now going to private school or is this a separate set of students? But there's still a very large number of homeschoolers that want that FFA experience, but do they want the ag ed experience? And that's one thing that, that's a question that, that I have that we haven't known, that, haven't had an answer to yet. Right, and we have to make that clear that, you know, FFA is not 4-H. I mean, FFA is an intracurricular three-component uh, program, that, and you have to have all three components in order for you to get all the benefits that we know uh, ag education can bring to a student. So that's kind of my question. When you have 4-H in a community, what's the should we be as ag teachers, if we know that we've got a large homeschool population within our communities, should we be recruiting there? Should we be trying to access them and reach them? Can, what can we offer? What should we be sharing that we can offer that they're not already getting through their homeschool experience in 4-H? 
I think it's the unique experience of the three circle model. So you're not only uh, developing those leadership skills through the FFA program, you're also developing entrepreneurial and business acumen through the SAE programs. And then you're also getting the classroom instruction and all of those are integrated and build off of each other. So you're really getting a complete comprehensive educational experience as opposed to 4-H where you can sort of pick and choose which areas you want to focus on. I think this is a more comprehensive program and there's more there's requirements that are there in, in place to, uh, to help that uh, comprehensive program take place and get those good outcomes. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting question and that's definitely something that's been in mind for, for future work. It's comparing some of these alternative programs to the traditional programs, are they even really seeing the same outcomes? Do, right. do these students that go through these online, this online coursework, do they get the same outcome as a physical place-based classroom? I mean, and that, the online classroom's happening. I mean, Florida right. Virtual High School, the Florida Virtual School is the largest school district in Florida. Right. Um, and they're talking about wanting to uh, start offering agricultural education courses. Mm -hmm. and, and it's gonna happen. And- You guys are so full of all crazy ideas down there. Yeah. <laughs> And so we're going to see what's going to happen and how this is going to work. I mean, they're going to do it. And we talked to them a little bit about a few things they're going to do and it'll be interesting to see what happens. One of the, one of the concerns that was actually brought up by one of my committee members when I was conducting this research is the, the online classroom component. And I wanted to see what you guys have think about this. Uh, Wait, time out. No one ever asks us questions on here. That's not what this is for. <laughs> <laughs> this is not how this works, Matt. <laughs> we actually uh, uh, had some schools in Indiana that wanted to offer ag education, but only as an online course. And we kind of figured out that it was in lieu of hiring an ag teacher because they didn't want to pay the ag teacher. Right. Um, now, I know that some in Illinois actually do have, they do offer on the online ag ed coursework, but that's because they can't find enough ag teachers to hire. Right. How do, how do we balance that moving forward? Who runs, who's in charge of those ag classes? Where are they getting the content and how, how are those being instructed? The online ag, ag classes are yeah. run by a certified ag teacher in Montana. And it's most accepted in states that have reciprocal licensing, teacher licensing with Montana. So that, that's been a concern, you know, that, that thing has been talked about here is how this should be used as a, to supplement. And mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the things is that, and I, I think what's gonna happen here in Florida is Florida Virtual, at least in the early conversation, knows they cannot offer a complete program. I mean, they're, they're not gonna be able to offer enough classes for, in our state, you gotta be a program completer Series, take a series of three or four courses. And they're, they're a long way off from being able to do that. So what they're seeing is being able to do is to offer some additional courses, some of the atypical courses that, let, that teachers are not able to offer due to limitations of the number of hours in a day as kind of a value added kind of a thing that, that they're actually seeing students that are currently in a traditional public high school as an audience for this. Because in Florida, to graduate from, a, from high school in Florida, 
a high school student has to complete at least one online class sometime during their high school experience. Mm -hmm. And so they're seeing that that could be an opportunity there as well as to get a few opportunities to get out to, um, you know, homeschoolers or those, those sort of, sort of things. It is a concern, you know, there's been a conversation about how do we get the, the hands-on component. Last time I checked what the two largest enrolled courses at the Florida virtual school, driver's ed and PE. Oh, wow. PE <laughs> Were the two highest enrolled, two highest enrolled courses um, in the Florida virtual school. Wow. And so they're like, and what it is that they say, okay, you need to go run five miles today. Well, they get somebody else to certify it. Well, do you do the same thing for ag? You need to go plant a garden or I don't know, wash an animal and then have somebody else sign off on it. Is that what you're going to end up doing? Mm -hmm. But then the other challenge then becomes, honestly, gets to the FFA side. Is uh, these students who are enrolled in a virtual school classroom, what FFA chapter do they belong to? Do they belong to the one for which they're zoned? Do they belong to one? Is there a virtual FFA chapter that people could then recruit to get the best play, you know, the best players or team for you're looking at FFA teams or that kind of stuff. So then you throw all of this non-educational stuff into the mix and it gets really confusing really, really fast. Right. And I think, I think that's where uh, knowing and interpreting policy is, is really key. And I think uh, as we move forward with this and obviously, uh, Schooling may continue, may continue to grow, and we may need to reach out more to that community, but knowing and interpreting the policy, sort of maybe uh, knowing before the question is asked what the answer is, is maybe a good place to start. Yeah. It's a good place to start, and it's a great way to wrap up this conversation, Matt. You know, I think it's a great point. As ag teachers, we're out there. We, we need to pay attention to this because things are happening. Things are happening not only at the national and the state level, but things are probably happening in each one of our own school districts. And so as ag teachers, we need to at least be aware of what's happening, know what the rules are, find out ways. And, and so that we're prepared, whether or not we know somebody, let them know it's an option to, to be involved in school-based ag ed and the FFA, how to make these kind of things happen. But then also be part of the conversation as these policy things continue to evolve, because I think this is one of the things now, you know, five years ago, I probably would have said this may or may not happen. We don't have to worry about it a lot right now. I'm saying this is happening. We're, we're going to be having some sort of way that we're going to be engaging. And as ag teachers, we need to be aware of this through our professional organizations, but also just locally about how we're going to engage in this. So Matt, thank you so much for being with us today on Alpellets. Thank you. And if there are any ag teachers out there currently working with homeschool students that hear this, podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I, I will give you guys my contact information and I'd, I'd love for people to follow up if, if they can. Fantastic. Well, for uh, Marshall and Kate, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet. Matt Carrero, we appreciate you being here with us today from Florida International University. I uh, look forward to the conversation online. Um, right. Have a fantastic day. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, 
We ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate and Marshall, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thanks and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.